helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you for joining us again on the Life Transformation Show. Today's show is about overcoming negative self-image. With me in studio today is Melissa Wagat. I'm your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much, Michael. It's always great to join you in studio. And I look so forward to doing this topic because I think there are many of us who carry with us negative self-concept that limits the blessings that God has in store for us. And today we are going to be looking at example from Scripture that shows uh, people who carry this negative self-concept. And we're going to be looking at giving examples of how those negative self-concept limit people in everyday life. But finally, we're going to be looking at strategies for overcoming that negative self-concept because I think it is something that... Uh, determine how far we can we can go in life. Determine the, the, even the level of happiness that we can hold of ourselves, and it, even more importantly, it limits the kind of relationship that we can have of God. Uh, one one writer said that if you hold an image that you are unlovable, then it's very hard for you to accept the the unconditional love of a loving. Savior, And so I think this is a very important topic and I look forward to getting into that. I'm really excited as well. But before we get into the meat of today's show, you wanted to highlight for the listeners, we have an exciting event coming up on November 17th. Our annual retreat is around the corner and you just wanted to share a little bit about what people can expect. Absolutely. Our retreat is on the 17th of November and it's at Lanark. And at this retreat, we'll be uh, dealing with healing, healing inner negative self-concept, healing traumas from the past and whatever it is that you might struggle with. This this retreat is personalized, like each person's situation will be dealt with. So it doesn't matter what your what your situation is that you're struggling struggling with. This is an excellent opportunity for you to take the time to work on yourself. Sometimes life is just so busy, we get caught up in life and 10 years, 15 years, 20 years go by and we are stuck in the same rut. We are repeating the same mistakes over and over again. We are struggling with the same issue. These retreats are are opportunities for someone, for, for, for us to, to get away and to deal with things at a very deep, level. The Bible talks about be still and know that I am God. It's it's a it's a time to be to be quiet for a weekend and just to reflect on yourself and then to, to have the breakthrough by by focusing all your attention and your energy on that which needs to be changed. So if people want to join us for this retreat, how can they go about getting their name on the list? The retreat can be, you can sign up for the retreat by going to our website at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. You can also uh, call us at 613-699-1677. If you go to the website, there is a link there to register for the retreat and you can register online and make your payment online. 
So another exciting event coming up through Elam Counseling Ministries uh, upcoming retreat on November 17th. As always, we encourage you to get your name on this list early. Space is limited for this event and we wouldn't want you to miss out. So again, go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com or call us at 613-699-1677. So today's show is all about overcoming negative self-concept. And as always, Michael, I love when you do this. You've picked a story from the Bible as a starting point to illustrate this concept um, or illustrate how a negative self-concept can impact our life. Yeah, and so, so who have you cho- chosen and where can people find this story? So today we're looking at the life of Saul. We'll start off with the life of Saul and this is King Saul, Israel's first king. And in 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 21, we have this very interesting scenario playing out itself where Saul has been chosen to be Israel's first king. He was previously, he, he was anointed, previously anointed by Samuel the prophet. And now it's his inauguration ceremony where they're looking to anoint him. But in, in chapter, in chapter 10 verse 21, we're told that he could not be found. In other words, he was hiding. We, we were told later on in the story that he was hiding among the baggage that the people had carried, traveled with. And so they had to, you know, he was well hidden when they had to ask the Lord where is he? They had to actually pray to God and say, God, help us to find Saul. And I think what is happening there is what we what, what we call in psychological circles uh, cognitive consistency theory. And cognitive consistency theory holds that we carry a certain image of ourselves internally and that when a situation comes up where something uh, conflicts with how we see ourselves, it creates cognitive dissonance. It creates this feeling of of uncomfortableness. It, it, It creates stress. And so Saul had an image of himself that he could not see himself as being a king. And so when he was about to be anointed, that cognitive dissonance started surfacing and he had to, he, he was literally running away from that opportunity to be king. So I don't, I, I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've been in a situation or I know some people have told me that they have been in situations where someone have paid them a compliment and it just didn't seem as if they could accept that compliment because it just didn't seem true. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. It, it's exactly. Like someone, my poor husband gets this all the time. You walk out, you look so nice in that. And it's like, oh, you're just saying that. Right. You're just saying that. Because no, no, no. In, in your mind, you don't look nice in that. Exactly. For you, it may be something that's not your best dress or your best outfit. And so you don't see yourself as looking nice. Exactly. And then I throw it back in his face and it's like, oh, gosh, I was just trying to be nice. And then it starts a whole cycle, right? Mm-hmm. So what other ways do you see it happen? Or, or do you do this, Michael? Do you walk out <laughs> in a nice shirt and tell Denise, no, 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 you're wrong. It doesn't look well, that I nice. I think there's cognitive dissonance sometimes when my wife will choose things that she things look nice on me and say well this is what I would like you to wear and in my mind it's just no 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 I'm not going to wear that honey like I just don't see myself that's not something mm-hmm. that I think I look nice in but the funny thing is that when we have these kind of debates and I trust her judgment and I go out people will say you really look nice today nice in that that shirt but then I have cognitive dissonance because I'm thinking I look awful mm-hmm. and so I'm like really and they're saying yes it, it really looks nice on you so I think I should trust my wife's judgment I, I I think that's the moral of 
today's story, but it really does seem to be this underlying theme of what we're thinking about ourselves, whatever the case may be. We're being kind of light with the talking about our clothing and our spouses. Yes. Isn't jiving with who we see ourselves on the inside. Absolutely. But it affects people in many other areas of life. For example, uh, some of us do not apply for positions that become available in our department at work or other positions outside of where we work because we can't see ourselves as being in that position. One man who uh, worked in, in a particular menial job for years uh, was offered a position of manager over and over and over again, a position that would result in much higher salary for him and his family. But he said, I just could not see myself as someone who is going to be leading other people, who is going to be over other people. So the, so that 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 uh, opportunity to be a manager, the thought of being a manager for him created this cognitive dissonance. And according to the cognitive consistency theory, uh, this made him feel uncomfortable. And so he never applied. He spent the whole of his working life working for much lower salary, working in a position that's way below his potential because internally he could not see himself as a leader. So why do we do this to ourselves? Why does this happen, Michael? I think it happens because there is a wound that we carry with us. And I think somewhere earlier on in life, he may have been told that he's not good or made to feel that he's not good enough. Somewhere earlier in life, he might have been made to feel uh, inadequate. And and so if you have these feelings of not being good enough, of of not being adequate or of not being smart, some, some of us are made to feel because we were not the smartest in our family or we had other siblings that uh, we looked up to who were the academic or were the, 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 the brilliant one of the family. We grew up with a complex that say, I can never measure up to those standards. So if we're going to be put in a position where we are going to be seen as, quote-unquote, superior to others, it just does not fit. And so people do this because the, the internal uh, image has been damaged because of something that happens earlier on in life. So we've already talked a little bit about some examples of how we, we've seen this, joking about our clothing and things like that, and this gentleman who didn't take on um, the higher role. What other ways do you see this manifest in people? I think one of, one of the, the ways it happened to is people sabotage success opportunities. So, for example, there are studies that have been done about people who have won the lottery, for example, and a lot of these people, uh, shortly after winning millions of dollars, they, they will be broke. Similarly, we have uh, NBA players or players of professional sport that they will earn millions and millions of dollars and some entertainers that you you would think that's just so much money it's hard to imagine how someone could could earn that much money but many of these people uh, several years after retiring from the sport or after stopping their entertainment career they go bankrupt and I think if you look back to the the root of some of these uh, individuals, you will see that they were from household that that they were poor, that they didn't have a good start in life. And so there is something within them that say this image of being successful doesn't quite fit. 
And so they, they gravitate, they do things, they sabotage, they, they spend recklessly, they give away money uh, in, in a way that's unhealthy and that's not wise. And so they end up, after having earned millions of dollars, they end up poor. Why? Because that fits with the internal image of how they see themselves. So people sabotage uh, success opportunities. There, there's been stories, uh, there's a research, I should say, that was done where they show that in, in certain uh, academic institutions, the biases of teachers determine the kind of professions that the students apply for. So girls, for example, there is there is a frightening lack of girls in high tech sector because teachers in in the school may say may, may make it seem as if this is something that boys that are good at math will 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 succeed at. And so girls often do not apply for those positions, even though they might be very, very good at it. Don't apply for those courses, I should say, even though they're very good at it. So that's an example of how if we have certain in, certain internal limitation put on us by others, we can sometimes end up acting out and living within those limitations. So as parents, I think we should be very careful what we say to our children. Yeah, so what would be an example of something a parent could say? Because at the same time, you want to give your children hope, but you don't want to give them false hope. And there are, you do see in kids, kids do have different strengths. Mm -hmm. So how mm -hmm. do you nurture those things without going overboard one way or the other? Right. So I, I think it, it, we need to be realistic, right? So it, there's nothing wrong in letting kids know that if they're going to be in a certain field, it requires hard work and dedication. But that's totally different than saying, I don't think you would do good at that because you are not good at it. I remember one gentleman told me that when he was growing up, his mom would always say to him that he's not good at math. And he just didn't do good at math because he was told from he was a little child that he wasn't good at math. And he said it wasn't until after he left home home that he, he found out that he had a natural ability to, to do math well and he, he excelled at it to the point where he went back to university to do a degree in math and to do engineering later on. But he said, I could have saved so many years of my life instead of having to do uh, two degrees. Uh, after doing my first degree, I, dis I discovered that I was actually good at math. So this is just an example how the power of words that we, we tell to our kids. So it, there's nothing wrong as a parent to say this is hard work, it calls for dedication, but you don't want to go to the extreme of making the child feel that, no, this is something that you can't do. Because if the child wants to do it and his mind is set on it, then you should be supportive of that endeavor. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Radio Show. Today we're talking about overcoming negative self-concept. If you missed the first half of today's show, we encourage you to listen to it at our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can call us at 613-699-1677 and we'll send you off a coffee. We also want to remind you of a retreat coming up on November 17th where you can have the opportunity to maybe address some of those issues you've not um, put enough attention to, have that breakthrough you've been longing for. 
we encourage you, if you are interested, to get your name on the list by going to our website at elamcounselingministry.com or calling us at 613-699-1677. We'd be excited to have you join us on November 17th in Lanark for our annual retreat. So, Michael, we were just talking about some of the ways uh, negative self-concept can manifest itself and that whole theory we're talking about of cognitive consistency. And we're talking about how we sometimes sabotage our own success. Are there other ways that we go about exhibiting this in our life? I think if you look at some of the, the, the relationship patterns that people have, I would have clients that will say to me, one woman with tears in her eyes, she said, Michael, I just can't understand it. Why is it that I keep attracting bad boys into my life? I am a Christian, but I seem to pick up the wrong kind of men all the time. And when we explored what was going on deeper, what she actually was discovering is that it's not that she's she's attracting bad men, it's that she pushed away all the good men out of her life. So men who came along that treated her uh, in a way that was decent and respectful, didn't quite fit in with how she saw herself growing up because she had a dad was that abusive and made her feel as if she was unlovable and unwanted. So when men would come to say, you are desirable, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Let's let's get married. I want to introduce you to my family. As soon as it got to that point, she would push these men away because she just could not see her. It was not consistent with the image. So the the dissonance that created dissonance within her. And so she pushed those men away. And but then the the men who treated her in a way that was consistent with how she see herself as not lovable, not good enough, these were this 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 uh, created less dissonance. It, it reinforced it it, it. it re it reinforced how she saw herself. So even though she was saying on the surface I don't want to attract these men. I don't want these men in my life. But there is a reason why she's ending up with these men. Because, and it's because of that internal self-concept. Are there other ways people go about showing this in their life? I think one of the, the, the one that we see quite common is in the area of sexual intimacy. I see uh, uh, sometimes a uh, woman who will say, you know, I don't know why my husband would be attractive to me. I don't know why he would want to be intimate to me. And I said, can you explain what you mean? And they said, well, look at me. I'm overweight. I have, you know, my, my, my waist is not what it used to be when I was 21 years old. There are so many other women out there that's much more attractive than I am. Why would he be interested in me? Look at how I look. And so these women, what they're saying is that they have an image of themselves that they're overweight, they don't feel good about that image, and now that image that they're carrying of themselves is affecting their intimacy. So they can't give themselves to their husband, or even if they, they do, it has to be in pitch dark where they cannot see themselves, because if they were to see themselves, they're, they're going to feel, this just, not, just does not fit 
Why would anyone want, why would my husband want to be intimate with me? And then when I see these husbands, sometimes if it's a couple situation, they would say, my wife is the most gorgeous person in the world to me. I, I, I find her very attractive. And I tell her all the time that she's beautiful, but she just does not believe me when I say that. That's an example right there of, of cognitive dissonance. Yes, he's telling her she's beautiful. Beautiful, but the image that she has of herself is saying, this is not compatible with who I am and you should not find me sexually attractive. So women uh, sometimes will have cognitive dissonance when it's time to be sexually intimate. They will they will start feeling as if they have headaches. And sometimes these headaches are real. They're not making it mm-hmm. up. They, Psychosomatic things uh, are absolutely, real things. Absolutely. And it, it, it's part of the dissonance. It just doesn't feel something that I should be doing with you because my body does not not seem to warrant you being attracted to me. And this creates a lot of conflict within relationship because here you have a husband who is saying, I find my wife attractive, I want to be with her, but she does not see herself as attractive and she try, she does everything possible to try to avoid those sexual encounters where they could be intimate. So we've outlined a lot of examples of how this can manifest in our life, often with some negative consequences and often negative consequences in our relationships. How can we go about working through this cognitive consistency? Because in a lot of these things you've outlined, some of these things you're not even aware of that you're doing. So how do you Mm -hmm. go about first figuring out this is what's going on and then from there beginning to work through those negative self-concepts? Right. So I think it it begins with... uh, being self-aware, the psalmist David, in an attempt to be self-aware and to self-examine, he said, Oh, my soul, why are you so so disquietest within me? In other words, why is there this restlessness within my soul? And it's as if he's having, uh, the psalmist is having this dialogue with himself and asking question, why is my soul restless? Why am I feeling like this? And I think if you're in a situation where you're getting compliment from someone and you realize that you have this tendency where when someone compliments you, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit right with you. You're feeling uncomfortable. Or if your husband touches you or try to be intimate with you, you're feeling this resistance as if it just doesn't fit. I think it's time to self-reflect. And like the psalmist, you should sit and ask yourself, why? Why am I feeling this way? And this is when you get into the self-awareness that maybe I feel this way because I don't see myself as good enough. I don't see myself as being deserving of the compliment that, that I am being given. And then the, the second step, if you after realizing that you're feeling this way, is to ask yourself this very important question. And this question is, when is the first time in life that I was made to feel that way? When did I first feel as if I wasn't attractive enough? Because a lot of time people will think that it's because they have put on weight, but uh, a lot of time it is not. Uh, sometimes even women who are very slim still have this feeling that they are not attractive enough for their husband. And so where were you first stole? And so sometimes when I get into this kind of a dialogue with people, they will say things like, 
I was the sister that wasn't the pretty one. Like all my other sisters, my dad, I remember my dad saying that my other sisters were pretty, but he never once told me that I was pretty. And so it could be a root as simple, a root that, that is as simple as that, or it could be you were bullied in, in, in school and made fun of because of the glasses you wore or because of how you were how how your parents dressed you for school. I remember one person said that she got all the hand-me-downs. She came, immigrated to Canada, and and she had to wear all the the clothes that were were second-hand clothes. And and everyone else at her school dressed up and looked really nice. And so she was teased. And she carried that 60 years after that somehow she just doesn't look good, even though on the surface, if you see her, you would say this is a well-put-together and a beautiful woman so this is how powerful these self-concepts are and so if you if you can ask yourself the question you can self-reflect you can identify where it's coming from identify also the third step is to identify the negative lies name them name the negative lies that you're believing about yourself so it could be in any one of the following categories it could be in the worthless category yeah i'm feeling worthless for example, I am nothing, or it could be in the good for nothing category where you somehow feel I am bad or I, I am useless. It could be that you feel in the don't fit in category. I don't fit in. I am unwanted. I am an outcast. Some people, it doesn't matter where they are. They feel that they don't fit in. And, and so it, it's, it, it could be that you feel like you're not safe, like you, you're, you're powerless or, or helpless or somehow you feel defective. That is, you feel like you're unlovable or some people, despite the fact that they're well-educated, they feel like they're, they're a fraud. And so it's important to be able to identify and name and know what the lie is. Once you have done that, then the work begins. The work begins in making conscious effort to act the opposite of how you feel. So instead of brushing off a compliment or explaining away, if someone say, I like that jacket you're wearing, Melissa, and your tendency is to say, oh, I just got it from I just there. got it on sale. <laughs> I, it's this old thing, I just got it on sale. Oh, it's yeah. not that special, Michael. Yeah, it's not that special. Instead of saying that... I need you, to just say thank you. Thank you very much. Do you really like it? Yes, it, uh, I, I think it, it looks as nice. As I'm internally dying. Yes, and so <laughs> that takes us to, to some people see that as pride, right? If mm-hmm. I really say... I like, you know, I look good or this is a nice jacket yeah. I'm wearing. I'm supposed to be humble, Michael. Yeah, they think that's been humility, but that's not humility. That's just a, a, that's just a, a psychological wound if you're not able to take compliment from people. So, as I joked about a little bit saying that, how do you overcome those feelings and what last messages do you have for our listeners? So, my there? last message for you is that God created you to have very good self-image of yourself. God created you to feel that you're the daughter or, or son of a king if, if, if you're one of his. God created you to feel very wanted. The Bible tells us that even the hair on your head is numbered, that he knew you from you were in your mother's womb. So you, you are not a mistake. You are wanted, you are loved, you are special. So whatever it is that has given you this negative self-concept, my main message for you today is to realize that it's a lie that's not really who you are and that you can overcome that negative self-image. 
Thank you again, Michael, for sharing your thoughts with us. I learned so much today from you. Thank you very much, Melissa, for your wonderful questions. And thank you very much for joining us again on the Life Transformation Show. If you would like to hear more about this topic, you can go to our website at elimcounselingministry.com and you can send us an email or you can give us a call at 613-699-1677. We'll be very happy to hear from you. We also want to remind you about our upcoming retreat on the 17th of November this year at Lanark. It's going to be a wonderful, life-changing event. So if you'd like to register, go to our website at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. And again, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Life Transformation Show. And until next time, I pray that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.